Hello and welcome to Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle for another week, and we've got a massive show for you once again. And the NBL season's warming up. We've got a big round 16 to look back on, a huge round 17 that gets underway with a doubleheader on Thursday night, and we've got a bit of making up to do for the show this week. And we've got two two special guests. We'll speak to the master coach Rob Beveridge and the Cairns Taipans legend himself, Alex Loudon. The Perth Wildcats are on the move in terms of the way they're playing and also potentially personnel-wise, the playoff battle's he- heating up. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host. We're here thanks to Hoops Heaven, of course. But the man you've all tuned in to hear from, the man who's now out of his house for the first time in two weeks and he's feeling good as far as I know, Cody Ellis. Must be nice to be up and about. Very much so. Uh, good to see you face-to-face again, mate. <laughs> yes. It's been, uh, been about three weeks now. So, yeah, happy to be out and in the world again um, and not, not confined to my gaming chair and <laughs> in my office at home. So, uh, yeah, yeah, very happy to be out. You get the feeling at one point or another, most of us are going to end up with COVID at one point. What was your experience like over the past, past week and a bit? Oh, look, it... For me, it wasn't too bad. I didn't get hit too bad. Um, I'd had my booster shot about a month ago, so whether that was coming into effect, which mm. it probably has. Um, yeah, look, headache and a bit of a fever the first night, and then it was kind of just like a head cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it was just boredom. Just sitting at <laughs> home, not being able to do anything, mate. Yeah. Um, little Chase, did he, did, was he at home with you or did, to keep you company or did he head over to, to the grandparents? He was at mum and dad's, mm-hmm. yeah, so he was at mum and dad's for the, for the week. Um, we'd dropped him off on the Saturday morning mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, that, that night was when I tested positive. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he couldn't come back? No, no. <laughs> so he stayed at mum and dad's. They were, they were all self-isolated as well anyway, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure he had the time of his life uh, mm-hmm. with them for a week. Well, and, he would have uh, got pretty spoiled, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, he probably enjoyed that rather than being at home with Lauren and I like he was the week before. How did you and Lauren get along? Did you get on each other's nerves by the end? No, we kind of were separated in the house a bit. Okay. So I was, like I said, I was confined to, to my chair and my little office desk and, and Lauren kind of had free reign of the rest of the house. But um, no, it was all right. It was all right, man. So um, yeah, made it work. <laughs> Very good. Good to see you again and good to know that you got through it pretty much unscathed. So let's get on to some basketball talk because we've got a big show. We'll speak to both Bevo and, and Lowes because we didn't manage to catch up with Bevo last week, but it wasn't like we were short on topics either. So I hope everyone still enjoyed the show, but we'll speak to both of them as we go along this week. Now, before we get to the action on the court, Cody, we've been talking pretty much since you came on board this show here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle about the Perth Wildcats making a change of import. The official announcement hasn't been made yet, but the fact that John Brown the Third. Well, that, that's beyond, that's give them a, a pump up. He was in Hoop Seven on yeah. on Sunday on yep. Sunday morning taking taking a visit, and and why not? It's the best basketball store you'll find. He was at the game mm-hmm. on Sunday when the Wildcats made their return to ROC Arena. He's had a couple of workouts now at Bendad Basketball Centre with the Wildcats. I think it's fair to say that his signing is imminent. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think they're kind of just waiting for his clearance. I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then once they get that, then. Uh, he'll be in the jersey, but uh, it needs to happen quick. Um, I think he needs to play Thursday night. I think he has to. I think he has to to qualify. Um, But I think, you know, watching his highlight tape and and all that sort of stuff, obviously everyone can look good on a highlight tape. But uh, the thing that I liked was a lot of it was was his hustle plays and, and, you know, defensive stops. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he'll fit into their system perfectly, and I think that's kind of a bit of a piece that they're, they're missing. You've talked about the, the type of play that they need quite a bit. 
he almost fits your description perfectly because they don't need someone that can come in and score and shoot because they've got Vic Law and they've mm-hmm. got Bryce Cotton and they've got Todd Lenfield backing backing them up. They need somebody who had some good size and length and at 6'8", he brings that. They need someone who's a good rebounder and he's got good rebounding numbers over his career. They need someone who's a good defender and he's set all sorts of um, records for steals mm-hmm. throughout the EuroLeague when he was playing for his Russian club um, and he's a great defender. Um, he pretty much fits the bill just about perfectly. Yeah, I think so. I think they've uh, they've done well with, with getting him on board. Um, not the probably not the monster that we thought they mm-hmm. might need. No, but I I think that he does fit the bill perfectly. Um, you know, he's he's played. I think he was two through a five mm-hmm. over in over in Europe and. Um, obviously, they've got some big horses down low that he's had to he's had to guard. <laughs> yep, so yep. it's not going to be anything new for him here. Um, and yeah, I, I think he will certainly help with that uh, defensive bite that, mm. that they need. My understanding is that they don't necessarily need to um, cut Michael Frazier either. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he won't continue to play because you yep. can only have three imports playing. But um, I think they can sign him on a similar rule to what they signed Will Magnet last year mm-hmm. as a nominated. Replacement player, that means you just have to sit one of your 12 yep. squad members. Would that be easier on Michael Frazier if that's the case? Or is it easier if he just gets the cord cut and, and gets let go? Or would you want to hang around if you're in, in his shoes? It's a tough one. You, you've mm-hmm. kind of put lots of time and effort yep. and sweat into the club so yep. far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I guess there's not a whole lot of leagues starting up again around the world no. right now. So unless he's already got something lined up, I wouldn't expect him to, to take off. Mm. I think you probably still want to stick around, mm-hmm. um, especially in the NBL and especially with, with the Cats. You become a, a really close-knit team. Yeah. So, you know, he's probably really close with a lot of the guys now. And I haven't heard a bad word said about no, him. No. I think the decision's simply that he wasn't quite the type of player and he's just a player down on confidence. Mm-hmm. But I think he's character-wise and... Popularity-wise, I think he's fitted in very well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, I, I haven't heard a bad thing said about him either. Mm. And um, outside looking in, he looks like he fits in perfectly with him. Yeah. Um, but you're right, just not performing. And to be a championship contender, they need everyone firing. And he just wasn't doing that. And as an import, especially in this league, like, mm. you need to be firing at all times. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it, it's one of those things that it happens. NBL one season starts in two weeks. Have you got a spot there at the Warwick Centre that you could you could use him in? Jeez, I don't know. We've got a pretty full roster. Now. Uh, not that I would uh, say no to having him in our lineup at all. Mm. Well, it's uh, two weeks away for him if he wants to if he wants to come down to Warwick Stadium and have there a run go. around. Then he can come down with your coach too, and they can they can drive down together. So um, another interesting thing that happened on the weekend. Um, I think. We all loved the celebrations of Scott Roth after, especially after the win a couple of weeks ago against the Allura Hawks. And I think we loved the passion and I would hate for him to now not feel like he can do that because of what happened Mm -hmm. after the game when they lost down in Launceston to the Illawarra Hawks where, to be fair, it looked like Antonius Cleveland was was mocking him in his celebration. Scott Roth certainly felt like he was. And let's be honest, they almost came to blows up as as a result. Um, I don't mind what... AC did, but I also hope that it doesn't stop Scott from showing his passion moving forward and just because he feels like it might upset the opposition. Yeah, and look, it's obviously been a big talking point. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had already turned the game off, so I had mm-hmm. already flicked channels <laughs> and I didn't see it straight away yeah. until I saw it a bit later on social media. 
Look, I, I don't think it's a great look for Cleveland or Roth. Mm. Um, obviously, we love you know Scott being so uh, animated and, mm. and invested in the team's success, and mm-hmm. when they get a big win, you know, we, we know it, and everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. And look, as an opposition, that can get on your nerves. So I get that. I, underst- I mm-hmm. totally understand where Cleveland's coming from, and um, it was. It was against them where he, you know, jumped was, and yeah. screamed, and, and that was a massive win for them mm-hmm. in, in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, though. It, it did look like it was Cleveland mocking him, and, mm-hmm. and that's not ideal, and yeah. that's, that's fairly disrespectful. Um, but... To have him almost go to blows is, is not mm. ideal and it's not a great look for the league. Um, yeah. But I, I do understand where both of them are coming from. Mm. So um, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I asked Brian Gorgian about it afterwards and I was expecting him to play it down and just say that AC was excited and there was nothing more to it. He actually took it in a di- different direction and was talking about how the Hawks had felt slighted by mm. the way Scott had celebrated after the game and felt like that... They'd had their noses rubbed in it mm-hmm. a little bit. That's not how I felt at the time when Scott was celebrating like that, but clearly the Hawks used that as some added motivation and they'd lost again to, to the Jack Jumpers mm-hmm. since then. So they've lost to them a couple of times. So there's a lot of feeling in that game. Um, can you use that sort of thing as motivation sometimes? Oh, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. And start of the start of the year was more him after shaking hands and all that sort of stuff, yeah. coming into that huddle and celebrating with the crowd. Yeah. Whereas this one was a lot more animated mm. and right as Gorge it was, was walking right in front up, of Gorge, yeah. walking up to shake his hand. Yeah. So I, I totally understand where they were coming from. Mm. I, I really get it. And you're right, you can use that as motivation. I'm 100% sure that Gorge would have used that. Mm. He would have mentioned it in post-game meeting, in trainings leaning up, in the pre-game talk. Mm-hmm. He would have mentioned it for sure. Mm. And... Uh, I, the way Cleveland came out and played, it looked like yeah. he had some extra motivation. Yeah, and and I get that. And look, even just the way the team played, they, they looked like they had that added motivation. So double-edged sword, you know, I, I think it's it's good to see a coach so invested, mm. especially for a new team coming in. Um, but it can rub you the wrong way as the opposition, for sure. Do you think it might mean we don't see it again out of Scott? I think so. Yeah. I, I, I do think so. Um which, you know, it's become a talking point. Mm. He would hate that too, wouldn't he? He would. Yeah. yeah, he would. Whether that's the club or the NBL telling him he needs to dial back on mm. it or if it's just himself just saying, all right, I'm probably not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but that's just emotion after a game. Oh, absolutely. Know, and, I, I don't think he had any menace in what he did. No. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. But the Hawks have also got to take that as... All right, well, they're pumped that they beat us. Sure. You know, and obviously that hurts at that, that specific time. So, you know, like I said, it, it, it goes both ways. But, uh, yeah, I don't really see us seeing that again. Mm. So round 16 in the NBL, and I think we started to get some answers about who, you know, could potentially make the playoffs and who won't. It started back on Thursday night, and the Elora Hawks had a really, probably not a great defensive performance, but they turned it on offensively against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and won... 103 to 97. Then on Friday night, well, one of these teams was always going to end their losing streak, and it was the Adelaide 36ers beating a pretty disappointing Cairns Taipans 83 to 57. Then the game we just spoke about, surprised with the margin in this one down in Launceston. Mm. The Hawks really turned it on in the second half and pulled away from the Jack Jumpers to win 91 to 65. And then Sydney Kings, they kept winning eight straight now for them, but continued the pain for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. 
91 to 89. Then Melbourne United, probably as we expected, really. I mean, just proved that they were in a different league than the Adelaide 36ers, 101 to 74. Kent's Taipans bounced back in Brisbane to beat the Bullets, 98 to 88. And then finally, first game in about four months at RAC Arena, and the Red Army got to celebrate with the Wildcats beating the Breakers, 95 to 85. Probably wasn't too many surprises, Cody, but to me, it's the Illawarra Hawks that look like they're now starting to to really find their find their groove. Oh, for sure. Um, this was a massive weekend for the Hawks and for Phoenix. Mm. And the Hawks stepped up and rose to the occasion, and the Phoenix did the opposite. Sure. And they kind of shot themselves in, a, in the foot a little bit here, um, especially losing to the Hawks and to the Kings, yep. who are the two teams they're fighting out for that. And then the two teams, that they're now below. They're mm. outside of the top, top four altogether. They are. They are. And that's, what, four losses on the trot yep. now for them? They look like they're missing something. Mm. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they've just... They just don't have that same bite that they had at the start of the season. Is it as simple as Brokoff not being there, or is it more than that? That's kind of what I think it is. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to Lauren about this over the weekend when we were watching him. I said, with Rowdy out, you know, you lose that guy that will dive on the floor yep. for you, that gets those extra rebounds. Yeah. Um, look, they've got some he, really he was their both. He was their Galen-type player. That, that's why he's been yeah. nominated for that award, because he's mm-hmm. the one that's brought the energy. Yeah, he has. And he was a big-time difference maker for them. And as we're now seeing, without him coming in and doing what everyone thought he was going to do and mm-hmm. knock down shots left, yeah. right and centre. So that is, it's a big piece out for them. Mm. And no one else is stepping up to fill his shoes, unfortunately, no. for them. Interesting. Cam Glidden, we, a couple of weeks ago, we were really happy for him when he had mm. that breakout game and 20 points, and I think he had four threes in the first quarter. Um, he's only scored two points in four games since. To me, he's the one that, pro- at least shooting-wise, is the one that should have stepped into Rowdy's shoes, and I'm not saying it's Cam's fault because he hasn't really been put in that position. Are you surprised they haven't utilised him more? Yeah, I think so, but at the same time, this is... You know, his second stint there and he hasn't really had too many breakout games no. while, while playing uh, in that system. Sure. You know, whether that's it just he doesn't fit the system or mm. they're not looking for him or what the deal is, but uh, it's not overly surprising because we haven't seen it before yeah, sure. Rockoff. No, and even his last season um, at Brisbane when he was coming mm. off the off being in the World Cup team wasn't, wasn't great, so... It's unfortunate because he's one of the one of the, the nicest guys in the yeah, league. So we so do we do hope he figures it out. But the Laura Hawks look like a team that have now got some answers. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't look cohesive at all for most of the first half of the season, and they didn't look like the combination of Tyler Harvey and Radden Mays sharing the ball handling was working that well. They didn't necessarily be be finding a way to share the shots equally, or probably get good shots from. Jessup and Reith and, and, you know, Cleveland and Harvey and even the Froling brothers, it looked like everything was a little bit um, maybe selfish mm-hmm. in the first half of the season. But, you know, the, the, this last couple of weeks, they look like they are now playing as a really cohesive unit. And I think what a- Antonius Cleveland is doing is providing a, something pretty close to what Justin Simon was last mm-hmm. year defensively, yeah. but he's a lot bigger of an offensive threat. And I think a lot of what's working for them now starts with him. And also, as we talked about, um, it was either last week or the week before, they've actually got the ball down inside to do up Reith a bit yeah. more, and he's he's delivering. Oh, he is, yeah. And they just, you're right, they, they look like a better drilled team now. Mm-hmm. 
giving up 97 and... Um, well, only 65 against 65 the Jack Jumpers. 65 against yeah. the Jack Jumpers is good, but giving up 97 against you know, sure. another high-power team, mm. not ideal. Yep. But the fact that they could pour on 103 points, mm. again, that's against a Phoenix team who I don't think play a whole lot of defence either. Sure. But you, you're right, and listening to, to Gorge speak, I think it was before one of the games, mm. might have been before the Phoenix game, he was talking about training and getting the ball out of Ratham May's hands, yep. saying he's only allowed two dribbles at training. <laughs> yes. Unless... He's bringing it up, or if he takes more than two, then it's a turnover to the other team. He said he implemented that with Kavossi Franklin. That's right, yes. And it seems to have worked because it's not sticking in his hand as much. And that was always an issue from watching them was he would just have the ball constantly, just giving the ball a headache, just always dribbling it. And I felt the ball stuck in his hands too much. And it looks like it's moving a lot better Absolutely. Um, Cleveland has been... Just so good for them. Yeah. I think he's lifted a notch defensively again. Um, and offensively, he's just been aggressive. He's getting to the rack now. Yep. He gets in the paint and then just jumps and no one can jump with him. Absolutely. He's so athletic, yeah. you know, and he's still taking a, a couple threes that he probably, probably shouldn't, shouldn't <laughs> yeah. but, you know, he's getting his confidence and, yep. you know, you live with those ones at this point. I still think they can pump it inside to go up a bit more. Yep. Um, you know, they... It's tough because against the Jack Jumpers, they were they were pretty good mm. all round. But again, Duop didn't really see the ball a whole lot or undersized Jack Jumpers team. Well, he could have so, he could have dominated more. Well, and and I thought that would have that would have been a main focus was to pump it inside yep. to him a bit, and they didn't really. But again, everyone else was clicking and and they were playing really good ball. So. I think he still needs to be a focus for them going forward. Mm. Um, and if Cleveland can keep up the intensity defensively and stay aggressive offensively, um, I think they'll certainly be a force if they can figure figure this thing out. Absolutely. Um, it was an interesting weekend for the Taipans, but we'll we'll leave the analysis of those to, to Lau's because he knows them yep. as well as anybody. Before we get to our awards for this week, Cody, anything else you wanted to, to touch on from, from this week? Uh, Sydney still look decent without yeah, Zave. Do. Yeah, they do. Um, and that was always going to be, you know, something that was going to make or break them was this, this time without Zave. Yep. And they've stepped up, you know. Martin's been really good. Oh, he's, yeah. He's been really good for him again. He's kind of stepped up again. Um, DJ's had some decent ones now. And then Adams is just, mm. he's a freak. Yeah. He's so fun to watch. <laughs> he and, is. You know, he could be having a down game, but all of a sudden he'll yeah. he'll hit a big shot or, you know, he'll make a couple of big plays. Um, Ian Clark's fitting in nicely too. Oh, he was he was always going to. He seems like an awesome teammate, yeah. um, which is saying something coming from NBA guys coming in. Mm. You know, lots of the times they think, you know, that <laughs> they're going to be the guy and all that yep, sort of yep. stuff. And they're, they're very selfish, whereas... You, you might have had a couple of those at the Kings. <laughs> um yeah, I won't comment on that. Um, <laughs> but no, he seems like he, he fits into that team so nicely. And talking about making big shots, he'll just, you know. No fear. No fear. Yep. And just timely. Just making plays very timely. Um, again, they're, they're just so fun to watch. And that was a big win against Phoenix for them. Um, again, without Zave, I thought um, Craig well, would. Yeah, that's exactly you know, what we thought last week. Yeah. We thought. You know, Jarrell Martin just wasn't going to be able to match their big fellas, but no. they stood up really well. They did. They did really well. And, um, you know, some of those boys coming off the bench were, were yep. awesome for them. And it's that next man up mentality that they've got, which, which um, 
is really working for them. Mm. They are. They're a lot of fun to watch. They are. Um, all right, Cody, let's get to our awards for this week. We're donuts in the Damo Best Defensive Player Award so far, but Damo will come through shortly, so stay tuned to social media and we'll get the votes from Damo for this week. But we've got the votes from the scoring machine in the Player of the Year Award. Um, I think he was impressed with the Laura Hawks this week as well, Cody. Mm-hmm. So he's gone five votes for Dorp Reith, four votes Antonius Cleveland. I think you can probably make an argument to swap those, but mm-hmm. the scoring machine probably knows better. He's tough to argue with. Yep. Bryce Cotton, once again, with a three, Vic Law, the two. Again, I could probably argue you might be able to swap Flip, those two. But, those, yeah. but you know, again, how, who are we to argue with, Sean? And Joe Luala um a pretty dominant performance against a pretty average Adelaide team. Mm-hmm. But he still did enough to get the one vote. Yep. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's fairly solid. I think you're right. There's probably some in there that you could flip around. But those are probably the five guys that were standouts for this round. Yeah, look, I think... I think Vic could probably be higher, but, you know, Bryce doing Bryce things is, is always hard to vote against. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So there we go. That's thanks to Sean Reddidge with Reddidge Basketball. So we'll speak to him again in a couple of weeks' time and find out how he's travelling, and I'm sure we'll see him on our TV screens for one of these games yeah. this week as well. We didn't see him last week. Damien Martin hogged the screen, but um, we'll see the scoring machine this week. Um, time for the Galen Award. The best team man in the NBL, Cody. Um, Antonius Cleveland... Potentially hard to hard to pip for this one, but I reckon there's some other handy candidates as well. And we talked about the next man up mentality for the Sydney Kings, and I thought Tom Vadanovic stepped up huge, yeah. and Dion Prewster for Melbourne United. Chris Golding and Matthew Dellavedova were both struggling with injury um, against the 36ers, and he's virtually not played at all this whole season. Steps up and plays, I think it was 18 minutes, and he played a hell of a good game. I thought he was very very impressive, especially given the circumstances. Will Kowal, maybe he's a little bit too happy with these three-point shots at times, but the energy he plays with, that hustle ball where he ran down almost a full-court loose ball to dive on the ball, then dish it off to Majuk Dang for the dunk, that was pretty inspirational stuff against the Brisbane Bullets. So I thought Bull was impressive. Keanu Pinter, there's almost nothing new we can say about him because he is just continuing to do what, what he does. Vic Law is a strange one on this list, possibly, because he's such a great scorer, but... The work he's doing down low, battling against the bigger bodies, I think is pretty admirable right now. And Majuk Majuk, he just continues to do a power of work as well and, and did what he could up against big Yanni Wetzel on Sunday. Um, what do you think, Cody? Yeah, look, another tough one. There's probably two that I would narrow it down to in Cleveland and, and Vic Law. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, I think Vodanovic was, was awesome. He stepped up. Mm. Um, Took a really hard foul and a really hard fall he did. in that game. He was um, screaming. It yeah, was tough to listen to. It was. It was. Well, he's a big, thick body, he and he had his legs just taken out from under him. No malice, just no. in the play. But, but he was right to take his free throws. That's yeah. That's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. And he landed really hard on what looked like his tailbone, and yeah. that uh, wouldn't have tickled. So, um, no, I think he was really good for them, just, um, just being really solid for him. Dion... He, I've really liked Dion's game. I think he's um, he's proven in the past that he can make an impact on a yep. team, um, and he stepped up perfectly for them when they needed it. Uh, Bull Quoll, yeah, same thing. Just you know, hustle plays. He's, he's done it all year. Mm. It's similar to Keanu. Um, those two kind of lead 
that um, energy yep. that the cans need and, and probably a few more need to step up. Sure. Um, Jock's been awesome for, for them all year. Mm. Um, you know, he, he's just a workhorse. He, he does all the, the little things that don't get spoken about. But look, I, I think it's hard to go past Cleveland this, this week purely for the fact that they won two massive games that they needed to win. And he was probably the main catalyst for that. Yep. Um, again, doing those little things. Mm. Um, the, the picking up full court, um, getting, a, getting a hand in lanes and, and diving on loose balls and um, being that spark. Yep. Um, and again, that's another team that he needs to be able to drag some other guys up mm. to his energy levels for them yep. to be successful because... He's really the only guy playing any sort of defense for them right now. No, I, I agree. Um, yeah, and for them to be successful, then they need to switch it on on that end. Yeah. But I think he is—he was awesome this weekend, and, and a big reason why they uh, got the two wins. Got to be honest, Cody. I was tempted to have him as the only person as the nomination for this <laughs> week because I thought he was that much of a standout. Yeah. But I—but I didn't want to prejudice your decision. But I think we're—we're we're in full agreement. Yep. And when we come back, Cody, we're going to speak to. Your old coach, the master coach himself, finally, Rob Beveridge. Sounds good, mate. Can't wait. Okay, back on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle now, and we're joined by the master coach, Cody. We're back with Rob Beveridge, and he's actually very close to us right now. He's been able to get back to Perth and start his job at the Rockingham Flames before heading to New Zealand. How are you, how are you finding Mate, things, Bevo? Yeah, look, I, I love coming back. It was like when I finally got here uh, last week. Uh, it was a nightmare to get here, but when I got here, it just it's like the way the world's taken off my shoulders. So every time I come back to Perth, it just feels so good, and I've had a really, really good week down at Rockingham, and you know, meeting you know, a lot of a lot of the coaches. You know, starting to you know change us, you know what we want to do with the association, and you know, it's a massive challenge. And I've always been one of those people who love love challenges, and uh, you know I've been working uh, horrific hours, uh, you know, twelve plus hours every single day, but starting to feel the pinch a bit. But pretty excited about uh, what we want to implement down here. So, um, just. Uh Obviously, good to talk to you, mate. Uh, haven't haven't spoken since the last time we chatted, but uh, yeah, uh, I guess would you be able to elaborate a little bit more on like what your role at Rocco is right now? Yeah, so it's a new position uh, down here, and it's probably one of the first positions in all the association. So I'm, I'm classified as the high performance manager. Mm-hmm. So, so to break that down is my my role is, is to work with both the NBL one men and women's team. So I'll be helping uh, Tom Knowles and Ryan Petrick from a, a mentoring perspective that I'll be working with them to you know, anything and everything that they want, whether it's uh, you know offences, defences, you know, management of players, whatever it might be. So try and pass on my experiences. Uh, then next level from that is I'm going to work with um, the majority of the players. Uh, although obviously I'm going back to New Zealand uh, on the weekend 
you know, putting plans in place to make sure that they're they're d- doing stuff in offense and defense and stuff like that. So um, overseeing you know majority of those players and helping them to develop and make sure they've got their strengths initially, make sure they're doing their skill development, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, then the next uh, area that I do is I oversee all of the wobble teams, all the wobble programs. So all the, the representative teams, all the division, you know, twelve. 12 through to under 20s. Uh, And what that's been is putting together, this is who we are as an association. You know, what is our identity? How are we going to play the game? And then from there, that's involved with coach education. Uh, So that's probably the biggest thing I'm doing at the moment is a bucket load of coach education, putting videos together for them, having some coaching clinics. So that's what I've done while I've been here. Uh, And then the next level down is I've worked with uh, probably probably around 12 of the wobble team, so about half of them, uh, taking them for for their sessions and trying to set the standards of what we're trying to do. So that's it in a nutshell. Uh, So there's a lot of work to be done, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like uh, trying to develop a, a culture, uh, a very clear culture, which uh, which sounds like uh, awesome work by by Rocco. And uh, obviously, to get someone of your calibre is huge um, for the league and and for that organisation for sure. Um, ha- so, you obviously take off for New Zealand. You go on a coach over there. When will you be back? Yeah, so I'd already committed to going back to New Zealand. So this will be my third season going back there. The first season was cancelled to COVID, but then last year, um, yeah, I, I did um, my first or second season, if you want to call it that, with Southland Sharks. Uh, they're based right down the bottom of um, the, the South Island in Vicargo, yep. uh, which was very cold. <laughs> uh, the ne- during the winter, you've got to be there when it's the absolute yeah. coldest. Yeah, no, it is, and, and it's very cold. Uh, it snows, it sleets. They call it the polar blast. Mm. So every now and then you get uh, you get smashed by winds and stuff that come from Antarctica. Um, <laughs> but I loved it there. It's a really good community. Um, we've got great facilities. Uh, just a great organisation to work with. And you know, I mean, I've spoken in the past, you know, with Cody and you guys about um, you know how we had a pretty crap time. Yeah, back at Illawarra in the day with mm. the, the ownership and management group, but but going over to New Zealand, it recreated my love of the game again to just coach great people and work with a good organisation. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed going over there. And uh, uh, last year we did very well. We made the playoffs, uh, but unfortunately we lost um, our best shooter, Zoe Burton. He broke his hand five days before playoffs. Oh, and also we lost uh, you know, our main player and captain, uh, Big pledge, Alex pledge to cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, so we, we, we had some struggles with the team, um, but we came real close. We lost the semi final think, by three or four points. So we're we're going to be in the mix. So my, my intention is to go back there. I'm going to do one more season over there uh, with the new kids, the team, the same group. So I head over there this weekend, and then off. Um, it's been delayed a few weeks because of COVID. Uh, so their league doesn't finish until beginning of August. So once that season's over, I'll then head back to Perth permanently. So I'll be moving over uh, pretty much full time. You've talked before about how you think this is probably going to be your farewell season as a head coach, at, coach at least at, at this sort of level. Is that how you're still approaching it? And is it pretty exciting yeah. hoping to have a have a big finish to what's been a pretty remarkable career? Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm not finishing my career at all. This will be most likely, I would say, I mean, I've said it'll be my last season 
coaching in seasonal play. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, the MDL, you, you, you go nine nine months a year for seven days a week uh, and stuff like that. And it's a real grind. It's tough and you get burnt out and whatever else. Uh, over there, it's a shorter competition. They go for about four, four and a half months, uh, which was just great. Um, I'm always going to be involved in basketball. And the opportunity to come back to Perth and work everything from grassroots through to uh, NBL 1 is great. It gets to tick a whole lot of boxes, but... Uh, my intent is to continue working with our national program, you know, obviously with the boomers, and doing as much work as I can. So it's not like, yeah, it's a, the end of my career as such. It's just a, a, a change in direction of what I'm going to do. Uh, but moving away from, I guess, those long nine, ten months, seven day a week jobs, you know, I, I don't want to do that again at this stage. You know, so I'm very committed to coming back and getting back and working with people, putting back, working with coaches, all of those things. That that's what I really enjoy doing. Um, not that I, I'm, I'm never saying, oh, that that's it. I'm retiring from that coach at this stage. I've got a new focus in my life, and uh, that that's that's where the, my intent is. You touched on the boomers there, and we haven't spoken to you since the successful tour you had to Japan. We spoke to you just before you were about to leave, and and watching that team, I know you only had a couple of days preparation, but I think you deserve an enormous amount of credit for how well the team looked, how well drilled they looked, how well you performed, and and it looked like you had a lot of fun over there as well with the with the young players, and obviously you know Nick Kay and Angus Brandon, Reese Vague leading the way. How was the experience? Yeah, it was wonderful. It, it was just uh, you know you, you know I was just talking to some people earlier, and, and if um, you create a a happy environment like uh, where where you're having you know some fun and and having good people working together, it, it makes it so much easier. And and coaching this boomers group, you know, when you look at the group, I'd coached you know a lot of those players in the past, you know. So obviously, you know, you talk about Nick Kay, who is just at another level now. Like from when we coached him, you know, we played you know when he was in our team, you know, he was really good, but. <laughs> Now he's he is like a wow factor, you know, IQ wise, work ethic, uh, leadership, all those things. So he, he led that team. But then you got you know Coach Angus Brand in the past and Reece Faye, and then obviously bring the Emmett Nair in. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, you know he you know he he was amazing uh, just with his leadership and his ability to run the team. You know, so I did have those people that I have coached in the past that just came in and, and uh, they, they, they were the engine room. And then you got these young kids, these super athletic, talented young guys that are coming in. They were led by those guys. You know, all I was was I was just a conductor. You know, I just brought them in and put pushed them in the right direction. And for them, you know, to be honest with you, yeah, we only had two, two and a half hour sessions, but the players were just great people, 100% bought into what we wanted to do and were totally committed. And that's why we were so good. I mean, I looked at the team as well and we averaged 28 assists mm-hmm. um, over those three games, which is just simply amazing numbers. And with stuff all turnovers, you know, the way we moved the ball and shared the ball and totally unselfish play, you, you, you know, you walk away and go, wow, that was great. That was a lot of fun with a great group of guys. It was, uh, it was certainly fun to watch, mate. And, um, you know, like you said, it was obviously a very, very young uh, group of players. So um, it looks like Australian basketball is in fairly good hands moving forward. Um, any any uh, of the younger, younger boys that, that stood out to you? Yeah, there is. Like a queerer, like David Queerer. You know, he, he, one of the young guys with, with Melbourne. 
He's got a wow factor. You know, he's 6'9", he's long, he's athletic, he can shoot the ball. Uh, it's one of those things where I think he just lacks belief and confidence, and then you've got to remember he's only 19. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, he, he could be really, really, really good. You know, and obviously he's in the Melbourne program there and training every day with those guys, so he's going to get better. Um, you know, Jalen Galloway, incredible athlete and shoots the ball so well. You know, then you got, you know, the youngest guy there, you know, Bowl. Um, he was only, he just turned 18, I believe, when, when we were there as well. So, so it's like they were so young and they're, they're just puppy dogs. You know, they, they were, you know, deer in headlights at times, but when you give them the confidence and the belief, these, these kids are going to be really, really good. Um, I was probably, you know, Tyrese Proctor was meant to go. He was selected and, you know, he's one of the top, uh, players and you know he's touted as an NBA guy. Uh, he got COVID the day before we left. Oh, brutal. You know, so I was disappointed that I didn't have that opportunity to be able to coach him because that 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 would have been pretty that would have been special because you know there's a lot of hype on him. A lot of you know I would have loved to be able to coach him, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Uh, but you know I understand he, he he's got a huge future as well. No, you did a fantastic job, Bevo. And it was, from my point of view, the best thing about it was just seeing how much you looked like you were enjoying yourself and having a smile on your face. And we look look forward to seeing more of that over in New Zealand and then when you get back here to Perth, Bevo. And I know you've got more meetings to get straight into, so we'll have to let you go. But it was a lot of fun catching up again and we'll do it in a few weeks' time once you're probably settled over in New Zealand. Yep, no, awesome. I look forward to regularly being on your show and stuff like that, giving updates from New Zealand and stuff. And, uh, yeah, yep, I'm pretty happy with uh, how things are going. I'm, I'm enjoying life again. Oh, fantastic. Thanks, Bevo. Thanks, Bevo. Okay, back on Hoop Seven's basketball hustling. We're back with one of our favourites. It's a pleasure any time we get to catch up with this man, and as disappointing as it is that we still don't get to see him on our TV screens every time there's a Cairns Taipans home game, we give him a platform here on the show. Alex Loughton, how do you find you right now? Mate, we uh, find myself very well. I'm enjoying a lot of the Hoops action, um, a bit of uh, getting to the pointy end of the, uh, the NBL season, and, uh, you know, teams are... Uh, Outside of the four, wanting to get in with a with a sniff and elevating their game, uh, teams that don't have uh, a chance at the four are playing spoiler and um, looking to boost their individual stocks um, as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot at stake uh, either either for the team or for the individuals, uh, and it's exciting to see it unfold. Absolutely, um, bit of a familiar trend with people on this show as well. Cody had a week in isolation, then another week in isolation after he tested positive. So he's only oh, just no. he's only just got out in time to record this show this week, and yep. I believe you've been in isolation. This might be your last day. Yeah, look, uh, my son there tested positive last Tuesday, so that put our whole family uh, behind mm. the closed doors, I guess. And um, yeah, look, uh, he, and he's doing fine now, but but the girls tested negative. I'm uh, tested negative as well as wifey, and uh, so we're all set to come out of quarantine. <laughs> uh, it's probably bit of a novelty for a couple of days and then it sort of wears mm. off and you kind of twiddle your thumbs going, man, I wish I could get out. <laughs> but, you know, do the right thing, keep your nose clean and um, uh, then you're off the races uh, coming out of it. Mm, very good. Uh, in terms of basketball, 
It might have been good timing. You did miss a Cairns Taipans home game because they were away last weekend, which was which was nice. And they finally got a win on Sunday. Um, how happy for you that they finally broke through, and especially after what happened on Friday night, it was it was it, it was great to see them play well and and get to enjoy that winning feeling again. Yeah, absolutely. I think Friday they you know to a man they will uh, self diagnose that one as a laying an egg, yeah. a nice uh, big big fat zero, um, and they they know they got more. It wasn't it wasn't everyone, but you know the the usual stars, obviously Machado, um, Noy, and Deng combining for four points mm. um, in the Adelaide game, but turning it around uh, in Brisbane to then combine for about forty. Two or forty-six, mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, and and right the ship, and, and that's what good players do. Um, they, they check themselves in the mirror, but then go, look, we we know we're better than this. We we just needed to, um, you know, right the ship a bit and um, get back to what we're doing best. So great to see the guys uh, come back to a, a home game uh, with a win under the belt. Uh, and then be able to tackle tackle a, a Melbourne Phoenix uh, that's itching to still be in contention for top four. Just wanted to ask about Scotty Machado. Obviously, he takes it to heart when he doesn't play well, personally. We saw that on Friday night, and we saw how he responded on Sunday. Um, how much character does it show when you're struggling like that personally? And I'm sure physically you're still not 100% either, and then your team's struggling as well. Um, it shows a lot of character, I think, to bounce back like he did on Sunday and lead that team to, to a win, and, and like he said, to prove everyone that he's not a bum. Well, look, I mean, he's yeah, far from <laughs> far from being a, a bum, but like his performance this year, in on the whole, has been down. Um, but uh, you know, you can see that he's struggling with uh, that injury or coming back from that injury. Uh, I think his mind is still going at uh, elite uh, sort of level. I think his body's sort of just lagging a bit behind, so his finishes are a little bit uh, wayward um, than what he would normally produce. So that you know. For a, for a player coming back out of injury, it's always frustrating when the, the mind and the body are not totally in sync. Um, but we know uh, that you know that he's shown those glimpses of being back to full strength, but then it's hard to either back it up. In this case, um, he was backing it up for a few days later, but was able to uh, reassemble uh, and get a good performance out there. So, look, uh, you know, it's been a tough it's been a tough year, and when you're at the lower end of the ladder, you all the little things get exposed. Um, when you're at the higher end of the ladder and you're winning and all that sort of stuff, you know, all those little uh, bits and pieces uh, are not coming to light. Uh, so you can cover up little, uh, you know, whole leaky holes in the boat. But when you're, when you're at the mm-hmm. bottom of the table, everything gets exposed as the reason why you're not winning. So it puts everyone under the limelight. It puts Coach Ford's coaching ability under the spotlight. Uh, everything uh, becomes a question of it being the reason why the, there wasn't any success uh, in the year. But um, you know, when when you see glimpses of the team coming together and showing pockets of you know, really really good basketball, then you go, oh, it'd be great if they could just put four quarters together and play consistent basketball because um, we, we've seen the highs uh, like earlier in the season beating Adelaide mm-hmm. and then we've seen almost the uh, the polar opposite losing yeah. to Adelaide uh, in almost a, a retribution kind of uh, fashion. Uh, but look, we, we still you know in, enjoy seeing that uh, the new players coming in performing well. Uh, Bull, Bull Quoll and, and the uh, rise of Pinder. Mm. Um, it's been exciting to follow those stories as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about both of those two because we saw it was a hell of a roller coaster ride for Keanu in his first season in Adelaide, but he, he looks a much more comfortable player in Cairns this year. He looks like he's found his groove, and I think that's all to do with 
feeling comfortable with with Adam Ford because they know each other so well and he's found his role and you know his athleticism you know his ability to finish at the rim and be aggressive and and then his hustle his rebounding his block shots are fantastic and then Bull Kowal as well <laughs> I mean that that charge down where he ran full court to grab the loose ball and and set up I think it was Majuk for the dunk that Light bang, yeah that yeah. sort of stuff <laughs> is just inspirational those two guys have been a great positive. Look, I think Pinder, um, in terms of his performance in Adelaide last year, I think it sort of had an air of, you know, not being convincing. Uh, is he a star here to stay or, or is it just, a, you know, a, a couple of years in the league and it sort of fades out? Well, turn that around into this year's performance with the Taipans. He's been sensational. Um, he's given rim protection. He's given athletic hustle. He's gone after everything. Uh, and an absolute coach's dream uh, to stuff the stat sheet um, looking at the stats now, 8.2 points average for the season, 6.6 rebounds in, in 20 minutes. Mm. Like, uh, that's a that's a huge boost. Any, anytime you can inject someone like that um, to give you all those plays that others, uh, you know, don't don't sort of have as a, have as a focus, um, you know, someone like Keanu Pinder is absolutely paramount to re-sign, like re-signing for the club. Uh, if he's not on a, another year already, I would, I would be signing him straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's an absolute must sign, and I think the relationship there with Forty. Um, I think that. What, what is what's the what's the background there with Forty and, and Pinder? Yeah, so they're both from WA. So when when Forty was coaching in sort of the some some of the underage state development teams, then right. Keanu was part of those, and and right. So when, right. He, when he came down to, to play in some of those, so yeah, yep. th- their relationship started there, and. It's continued pretty well, and I, th- I think Forty clearly knows how to get the best out of him. Where it's nothing against Connor Henry, but Connor Connor didn't quite probably know what best situations to put him in, and, and I think we're seeing the, the benefits of it of it now. Um, from a Taipans perspective, what do you try to get now out of the rest of this season? What do you What do you need to see over these last five weeks to to finish on a bit of a bit of a positive positive note? Well, I think to be honest, I was, I was thinking about that exact thing the other day, and. You know, in seasons where when I've played where we haven't had such a great run, um, out comes the big old shiny red reset button from mm-hmm. coach. And you've almost got to press reset. Because what I've seen in terms of their play recently is they're not relaxed. Mm-hmm. They're not shooting the ball confidently. They're not sort of letting it fly and kind of there's nothing to play for, right? So you yeah. should be kind of the mindset, hey, we're just going to go out there and have some fun and, and uh you know, let let uh, let let it sort of not spray and pray, but we're going to kind of play with a sense of loose um, looseness, you know. So um, it should be it should be uh, getting back to free flowing basketball, zipping that ball around, and just having a crack. What I'm seeing is hesitant sort of play. I'm seeing staggered sort of or stagnant, sorry, stagnant offense. I'm seeing guys catch the ball and sort of almost be sub- surprised catching and not sure if they should go or if they should wait for a screen. Like I'm just not seeing that free flowing um, feel where the shackles are off, you know, where the shoulders are loose and they're sort of, you know, tearing into a team that's trying to, you know, cement their place in the top four. So I don't know what that's from. Uh, And something in the back of my mind tells me that, you know, with Coach Ford, you know, he's had his moments of having his spray. Um, He's kept it pretty, you know, uh, tight and and demanded more and the pressure has been there. Um, But right now there's, you know, there's nothing to sort of play for in terms of the team aspirations. Uh, Is it the time now where Coach Ford needs to just, press the reset button, loosen the shackles, 
uh, and let's let's see some fast-paced, free-flowing basketball that's fun. Like let's let let the players have some fun now and see what happens. Let's just see what happens because mm. nothing else has worked this year. Um, players, like I said, have been hesitating. Shooters, Jordan Nato, have been hesitating yeah. to shoot. You know, so you you work. You know, the, the tactical side of things, you work the ball around to your best percentage shots, right? That's the whole sort of premise of a game plan. Now, within that game plan, there's different things that evolve, but for the most part, you're trying to get it to your shooters, you're trying to get it to your high percentage finishes around the rim. Um, and if you get it there and they're not shooting, then they're not doing their job, and then the, the game plan gets sort of yeah. nullified. So yeah. you're sort of like, well, what are we supposed to do now? So uh, there's got to be a point where you almost have to exhale and say, guys, let's just try something different here. We've, we're, let's look towards next year um, by just, you know, being relaxed, um, playing as, as hard as we can. The effort areas have to be there. They can't, that can't wane. Uh, and then we're just going to have to let it fly and, and, um, uh, and just see what shakes. A couple of very interesting games this weekend as well, both both at home, both in Cairns. First up, I want to get your thoughts on the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix coming to town because all of a sudden, I think a lot of us thought they were a real championship threat and they still could be, but right now they've lost their last four games and the pressure's building. Um, what what are you expecting to see from them and is it a chance for the Taipans to really turn the screws on them with no pressure on themselves? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think, um, you know, Phoenix uh, took it to um, Sydney last week uh, in, in a close one yep. and couldn't quite get it done. And it's been, uh, you know, clocks up four, four losses, as you said. So they, they know that they're close, but without tasting that winning feeling, uh, it can always uh, present as a bit of a soft underbelly, you know, like once, mm. once they crack, they don't quite get over the line. So, um, you know, if I'm the Titans, I'm, I'm sort of salivating at that sort of situation that, hey, we've we got a chance to play spoiler here uh, as a bit of a, um, you know, a, a bit of a huge scalp if they can get uh, South East Melbourne Phoenix on Friday in Cairns uh, against the home fans with a win under your belt from uh, Brisbane. Um, I, I think that there's every reason for an upbeat, energetic uh, type end unit to be stepping on the floor and ready to uh, punch first. Sunday's going to be very strange because it's still at the Cairns Convention Centre, but it's Technically, a breakers home game, so we're going to see the the Sky Sports signage all over the court. You'll see the the breakers, you know, sponsorship and signage all around the the stadium. Um, it's it's a bit strange to still call it a breakers home game, given it's in Cairns, but it'll be a little bit of a different different feeling. Mate, it's uh, you know the New Zealand breakers this year. My, my hats off to them for you know what, what are we on like gate probably two hundred and something yeah. of their road trip. Uh, that never ends. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, it's a tough situation with this team. That is, you know, I, I'm sure the league is is very uh, sensitive to yeah, making sure that they're getting everything they need. Um, you know, in a really extenuating circumstances. So, um, you know, what they've been able to produce on the floor has been pretty exceptional because uh, of the challenges they've faced. But yeah, like you said, the the, the home game, the New Zealand home game. Um, well, for New Zealand, it starts on Thursday night against Brisbane Bullets mm-hmm. in in uh, Cairns, and then they obviously play the Taipans behind closed doors on on Sunday. So, a, almost a um, a double header home <laughs> home game double header yeah. with no fans. You know, they'll be they'll be sort of getting comfortable, I guess. So they would have had a, a game under their belt after the travel and then kind of getting settled in. So they, they might have a, a good a good feeling of 
feeling at home, I guess, second game in, the, in that double. Um, so the Taipans have got to be, um, you know, obviously there'll be elements of feeling it in a comfortable arena, but something will be different. Like you mentioned, the, the visual aspects will mm. be changed to suit the home game. Uh, it'll be an interesting one. It's hard to sort of see how that goes. I mean, is the strength of the home team um, with the, the crowd yeah, that's behind yeah. him or is it the, the familiar apparatus of the, the structure, you know, the rim uh, and the, the way that moves? Um, but uh, it, it should be an interesting one. I think I think New Zealand's got a lot to play for in terms of uh, finishing out the season strong and their young talent coming through has just uh, been been pretty amazing to watch. He, uh, you know, even with Son and his his evolution uh, and all those all those players there that uh, really shown some real battle hardened ability to get through. Uh, the season the way they have and get some big wins and, and really take it to other teams in the top four and get really close. So, which, you know, could have gone either way in some of those some of those games. Mm. So, look, I think it's a danger, a bit of a danger sort of a, a matchup. I think, I think it should be a lot of uh, hostility. I think uh, the Taipans are still like you said, they, they want to they want to finish on a high. They want to finish in good stead, not only for their own stock, uh, but hopefully for the team to, to find an identity at the end of the season. Absolutely. Um, does that mean it's also a closed door game to Laos, or do, or do you find a way to get in? Oh, look, Laos might try and find a way, but uh, <laughs> you know, we, we never know uh, the situation. So, uh, <laughs> might be a, might be a chaos situation for Laos. <laughs> um, just lastly, before we let you go, Laos, um, we've talked a lot about the last three years about how the Perth Wildcats always seem to do this late in the season, and it looks like they're about to announce a a pretty handy new import to to bring in in place of. Michael Frazier, I expect him to play Thursday night. It's kind of what we've come to expect, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think any time you've got the luxury to bring in, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 grand a month player plus the 20 grand of flight, mm. um, no other team's really going to do that except for maybe a maybe a Melbourne or a Sydney. But, you know, let's. <laughs> it's an advantage that uh, the Wildcats will indefinitely do it any time because um, the, the funds are there to, to make it happen. So, it's you know, it's not a... Uh, even kind of league in, in terms mm. of budget. But, um, you know, if they've got it at their disposal, then they're going to do everything they can to put themselves in the best uh, possible spot. So I, I expect a change um, 100%. I expect um, that in a, if you look at a five-game series in the grand final, you're not going to be able to um, weather the storm of those little mini battles at the bigs department because um, Fraser's not... You know, he's not a he's not a tall guy. They don't have enough tall timber there to, to warrant a, you know those the, the length of time where fatigue kicks in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you're pretty confident that the name that they've mentioned before is the one coming in. Well, he's already here. Um, where <laughs> our great partners here on the show are Hoop Seven, and he visited Hoop Seven on on Sunday before heading along to the game. So I think that's a, a pretty fair indication. Yeah, yeah, mm. going to be yeah suiting up within within a moment's time, and we thank Fraser for his for his time, yeah, pretty much, uh, yeah. and wish him well on his hamstring <laughs> recovery, <laughs> which which will probably be never ending. Now you would think it's been good fun, Lows. It's always good fun to catch up with you. Appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll do it in a few weeks' time, and we'll have a have a playoff series to to be looking forward to. Absolutely, look, I'm excited about how uh, this league this league just keeps. Elevating um, from year to year, uh, it's gotten tall lately. Like it's, it's the the level of play has gone up. Uh, the finals is going to be an absolute uh, cracker series over the top four. Um, so I'm certainly looking forward to uh, what unfolds and which teams are going to rise to the top. There's a lot of exciting talent 
that have become a focal point. Um, you know, all the different teams, obviously, I'm really impressed with Cook uh, and uh, Jalen Adams um, there for, for Sydney. Um, you know, I think that's been, it's been refreshing to sort of watch. Uh, and that's the kind of talent that's coming down, obviously, with Jalen uh, coming down as the, as the import position. It's someone of that stature um, rising up above the rim uh, and, and securing Ws for their squad. That's the kind of, um, you know, calibre we're going to be accustomed to. So looking forward to how everything unfolds. There'll be so much uh, to, to talk about. Can't wait to chat next time. Uh, look forward to it. Thanks very much, Laos. Thanks, Spikey. Cheers, mate. Okay, back on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. I'm back with Cody Ellis. Thank you to Rob Beveridge. Thank you to Alex Loughton. Now, a bit of not quite breaking news because we can't 100% confirm this, Cody, but it's pretty safe to say if you tune in your TVs to the Cairns Convention Centre on Friday night, you might see a familiar face on your screen with a microphone in hand. Finally. Let's hope so. I'm not going to hold my breath, but uh, <laughs> let's hope so. That would, uh, that would be awesome. Lowell's gave nothing away, but... I'm willing to 99.9% confirm <laughs> that we might see him on our screens. And it's been a long time coming. I think he's pretty excited about it. He doesn't want to get too too pumped up just in case something goes wrong between now and then. <laughs> but that might mean that our pitches over the last few weeks, Cody, someone might be listening. Ah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. That'd be great. No, it'd be, it'd be good to, uh, to listen to him. Um, hopefully it, it does get over the line. Um, and that point... Zero one percent doesn't come through. So uh, no, it'd be, it'd be awesome to finally yes. have a microphone in his hand. Yep. I don't want to put him in too much trouble, but he might have even likened it to him coming off the bench, similar to what John Brown is coming off the bench and replacing Michael <laughs> Fraser, like like he is now going to replace John Guana. So that that might be it's might a be solid a solid comparison. I like it. Solid, solid. So we that's something to look forward to. Before we get to that, Cody. WNBL finals are getting underway this week as well. So we've got the two semifinals. We've got the Melbourne Boomers taking on Adelaide Lightning, the Perth Lynx taking on the, the UC Capitals. Both of those game ones playing on Thursday night. Um, um, we're looking forward to it, and those are four really good teams. I don't think you can really yeah. split them. I think all four are capable of winning the championship. What I'm disappointed with especially is that, unfortunately, the, the WNBL hasn't been flexible with their schedule, and the Perth Lynx, who deserve to get a good crowd mm. watching them at Bendet Basketball Centre for this game one, they're playing at the exact same time as the Wildcats down the road. Yeah, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And for a league that is growing and mm. with some just amazing talent throughout oh, the whole league... The um, WNBA talent in the league is outstanding. It's clearly the second-best league in the world. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it is. It's really frustrating that, you know that kind of stuff lines up, especially being a final. You, you've got the, the Red Army that are just not going to miss Wildcats games. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's you know, game three of the season or um, a finals game. So that, that does, it, it really sucks. And it, it's kind of been like that throughout the season mm. in games lining up with NBL games. And I'm hoping that can change because people need to be watching this, this league. Because it is, it's really good. There's so much talent. And it's, it's exciting to watch. 
I agree. We've talked about it before as well, but just quickly, would you be open to this game being at RSA Arena and making it a double header? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that would, uh, that would certainly help. You know, I think if that was going to happen, it might have to be pushed to a Friday possibly. Yep. Um, yep. But I think that would be um, something that hasn't been done in, Jesus couldn't even tell you if it's been done before, has it? Not that I know of. Yeah. I know it's been done elsewhere. Adelaide have done it and Sydney have been doing it this year, but yeah. for some reason I don't think we've ever done it no. Done it here. No, and it would be awesome. It'd be great. It'd be great for the women's team to, to be able to play in front of, you know, that crowd. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really hope that people would get down to actually watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, the links are full of such talented players. It's... Yeah. Uh, um, They've got a legit shot at winning it. And, well, I mean, they've uh, got three WNBA players in their team, three three Opals in their team. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a stacked lineup. Stacked, it's, they're yeah. a lot of fun to watch. They are. They are. So, look, I I hope they get a decent crowd there mm. um, to watch and and cheer for them because um, they certainly deserve it. Absolutely. And then that that's hope if they get to the grand final that we don't have it clashing with the Wildcats. Crossed. Yes. So, round seventeen in the NBL, Cody, and it starts with those two games on Friday night, and it starts up in Cairns. There won't be anyone there in the building, mm-hmm. but it's the New Zealand Breakers and the Brisbane Bullets trying to create their own energy. Um, I actually think the Breakers might be tough to stop given the way that they've been playing since they've had their full squad. Oh, they have, and they've been really good. Again, this is now that they've got a full roster, this is the New Zealand team that I'd picked pre-season to, to make the four. Mm-hmm. And look, Brisbane have probably got the worst little slide going right now. They're probably I, I playing worse than, yeah. or as bad as, as anyone else, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, because they've got some really ta- really good talent there and they're just not clicking, they're not gelling, they're not playing well. And I think New Zealand are starting to get on a bit of a roll and, and enjoying everyone being there yeah. and, and playing together again. And uh, I, I think they get that done fairly handily. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and don't feel bad about your breakers prediction because I predicted the 36ers to make the grand final. There so you go. Okay. Oh, I think I was even further off the mark. <laughs> uh, second up on Thursday night, looking forward to this one. The Wildcats back at home at RSA Arena against a Jack Jumpers team who probably can't afford to lose another game if they want to stay mm-hmm. in the playoff race. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, they hit a bit of a slide this weekend gone. For a team of shooters, this isn't the best shooting gym in the world here. It never has been, has it? It's tough to shoot at. Um, Steindl will know the mm. rims like the back of his hand, um, but you know everyone else is, is may have a bit of a tough time. Mm. So, and that's how it's always been here. Yep. Um, so, uh, look, Perth at Perth is always tough. Um, I, I think the Cats get it done and and put what has been a really good first season um, put an end to the Jack Jumper season. Is John Brown setting up? I think he has to. Yep, I think he has to. Friday night, this is an interesting one as well. Um, Cairns Taipans coming off their first win in a little while, so they'll be feeling a little bit better. At home to a southeast Melbourne Phoenix team who, as we talked about before, they just can't afford to lose this one. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're losing further touch with the top four. Well, that's it. And especially after dropping two this weekend, yeah. in a weekend that they probably at very least had to split, they'll be out for blood, I think. I, th- mm. I think they'll jump all over Cairns. You'd like to think so. If yeah. they're serious about making a push for that four, then, then they have to. Um, I, I think they get it done, um, but not without cans throwing a few punches. Mm. Another interesting one. Brisbane Bullets back at home on Saturday to the Jack Jumpers. 
To me, the challenge is for the track jumpers to back up having played in Thursday in Perth on Thursday and then flying across the country now for, for a short turnaround. Yeah, and something that they haven't had to do at all this season no. yet. No one's had to do. Nope. You know, come over here and then back up, back over east. So that'll be a tough one for them. Um, and for a high-energy team, that's, I think that's going to play a, a big factor. I Actually, I reckon Brizzy get that one done. I, I think being at home in front of their fans, hopefully gets them up and about mm. and, and they can get that one done. And, of course, also Saturday night, Cody, we've got a massive game at RSA Arena, the Perth Wildcats and the Sydney Kings. And basically the build-up for that game, given the rivalry that's there this year and for a number of years between those two teams, speaks for itself. So that's a massive, massive game with a lot of ramifications on Saturday night at the Jungle. Triple header on Sunday. Another must-win for the Phoenix as well. But the Adelaide 36ers are back at home, and I know they were bad against Melbourne United, but they were probably equally as dominant um, a couple of days earlier against the, the Taipans. So, mm-hmm. interesting. You know, I think they had a 26-point win and a 27-point loss in the one weekend. Yeah. Um, how does this one go? Again, Adelaide uh, one of those teams that's a flip of the coin, unfortunately. I think if, if Macca can stay mm. aggressive like he did, um, which was awesome to see, yeah. a bit of confidence back into him and him actually shooting the ball, mm-hmm. um, I think they can push them, but again, I think Phoenix just have too much firepower. Um, even for a team that doesn't play a whole lot of defense, I don't think it takes a whole lot to, to push the, the 36s out of what they do. Yep, I think you're right. Um, now this is clearly the game of the round. This will be this will be a beauty. Um, Melbourne United still sitting on top of the table against the Illawarra Hawks, who, as we talked about before, are in their best patch of form for the season too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely are. High-powered United team. Um, the, the Hawks really need to switch on their defence. Yep. Um, and if they're going to start turning a corner, um, I think that's where it needs to start. And this is perfect game for them to do that. Mm. Um, you're probably not going to see Goulding and Delhi both have another bad game no. in the same game again. So that'll be something to look out for. Um, oh, jeez. That's a tough one to pick that one. Um, I reckon the Hawks get that one. Yeah. I think the Hawks are on a roll right now, and I think they've got a fair bit of confidence after this weekend, and uh, I think they get that one done. That would be a big result. Mm. It would be really hard to see them missing the top four if they, yeah. if they can get that one. Yep. Last game of the round, as Laos talked about just before, empty stadium up, at, up in Cairns, which is disappointing. Yeah. Um, it's tough to have to create your own atmosphere, but um, maybe for the breakers it's easier playing in front of nobody, in front of, you know, 4,000... Fans in orange screaming at you, so maybe it's the closest thing they can get to a neutral venue. But um, the Breakers and the Taipans last up at the Cairns Convention Centre. Again, I think New Zealand starting to have a bit of fun, starting to to play well now that they've got their full full squad there. Empty stadium, something that New Zealand would be used to, not so much Cairns. Mm. And yeah, you're right, it's going to be all about who can create that atmosphere from the bench, and I think New Zealand can do that, and I think they end up getting it done. Is that the game Lousy is on the microphone, do you think? Well, he, he might be backing Hopefully. up. He might be backing up. He might yeah. be having a big weekend. He did allude to the fact that even though no one's allowed into the building, that he might have a way into the yeah. building. Hopefully, because he would <laughs> uh, he'd certainly be able to yeah. create some atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In that situation, are you happy with them playing in an empty stadium or would you prefer them to allow fans in even though it effectively makes it an away game for the Breakers? It's tough. It definitely makes it an away game. Um, well, why did they let it happen in Adelaide the week before? Yeah. That, that's what makes it interesting it for was, me. It was. Because that was technically a, 
break his home game, but it was in in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure why they did Hmm. that. You don't want to see a game with no fans. It's tough to watch. Even even I think the breakers would argue it's better to have fans in there than have no one. Um, Because as a professional league, you know, you want people there making racket. You know, they know that they're on the road. They know that they're against it all season. They understand that. I think uh, I think there needs to be fans. I agree, and I, th- I think you're right. I think they would agree with that as well because it's it kind of feels like I've speaking to some of the players. It kind of feels like just a scrimmage, mm, and it's yeah. it's tough to make it feel like a, a game, like we saw in that grand final series with the Wildcats and the Kings that the championship was on the line. But it kind of felt like you were watching a scrimmage for a lot of the time too. Yeah, it's hard to get up for that sort of stuff. Mm. Even even preseason scrimmages, you know, behind closed doors. Mm. As much as you're looking forward to that chance to actually play against someone different, it's it's so hard to get up for that yeah. kind of a game. And there's not a whole lot on the line for those two teams. No. But at the same time, you're still out there playing and trying to earn a living. So, um, yeah, that, that's tough. So it'd be nice to have fans there. Along that note, is anyone going to be able to come along and watch the early rounds of your NBL 1 season? Uh, I believe so. Okay. I think capacity will be about 50%. Okay. Um, hopefully the numbers keep... Dropping and it mm-hmm. goes up to 75, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I do think that we'll be able to have at least some people here. Let's hope so. Um, fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, Cody, that's been a fun show. I hope everyone enjoyed hearing from Rob Beveridge and Alex Loudon. I hope everyone enjoyed the insights we were able to bring. It's been a lot of fun going through it all again with you, Cody. It's been fun being able to see you, see your face again, <laughs> and I'm glad that you're back to full health. Thanks to Hoop7 for making this possible. I hope to bring you a tab touch preview later in the week with with Matty Knight. So fingers crossed for that. If the big nightmare can get himself up and about. So stay tuned for that. I'll wrap it up there, Cody, and leave you with the chance to to sign off. We'll speak to Adam Gibson next week, but what's your what's your overriding thought heading into into round seventeen? Uh, another big round. Um, lots of ramifications on the line, but look, I think uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch Melbourne and the and Illawarra go at it, and uh, looking forward to that. So. Uh, Yeah, again, always a pleasure, mate.